You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Oh, hey, this is Kate, and you're listening to the Fabulous Queens podcast. Katie and Nathan would like you to know that their show contains some strong language, so if you're not down with colorful swears, this might not be the show for you. Since you clearly like learning about women in history, check out my podcast, The Exploress, where we time travel back through history to find out what life was like for women of the past. Cheers, bitches! Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Nathan! Katie! Welcome to another episode of Queen's Podcast. We're here to entertain you. Yes, we are. (laughs) Today, we're going to wrap up our discussion on Georgina, Georgiana, Georgiana, whatever you want to call her, (laughs) Lady G, the Duchess of Devonshire. This has been a really fun one to research. Like, I was really surprised by how fun she was to research because really all I knew about her was that movie that we, you know, over on Patreon, we reviewed her movie. That's all I knew about her previously, Mm -hmm. but she's so much more interesting than that. Don't you agree? Oh, I agree. There's so much more, like, that movie left out so much in terms of her, what's what's happening in her life. They just basically boiled it down. It was honestly a shame because her life is so much more than that. We had to leave out so much from the book that I read. I had to just skim over so many details like the different relationships in her life otherwise this would have just been a whole season on her so I will link to that book in the show notes if anybody wants to learn more about her but before we dive in let's do our Patreon shout out once again shout out to Heather she suggested this topic she's been suggesting this topic for three years Sorry it took us so long to get to her, but thank you for the awesome suggestion. (laughs) Also, shout out to Delaney, Kaylee, Jackie, Kim, and Lindsay. Also to Emily, Aaron, Krista, Kelly, and Catherine. We love all of our Patreon supporters and everyone that listens to our show. You guys are awesome. It's a really good song, Katie. I know, I know. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna be dropping my album called "You Guys Are Awesome" any day now. <laughs> okay, so where did we leave off? So Georgina, the Lady G, is maybe like the most famous woman in England. She's from a titled family and married the most eligible bachelor in the country, and their marriage is like really unhappy. It's not a good match. It's not. They should have done some compatibility tests before this shit kicked off because it yeah. is bad. And so their unhappiness is like amplified by the fact that there's no baby boy yet. So there's uh, no baby at all yet. Yeah, there's no baby. It's not happening for them. So they take a trip to Bath 
to heal her ailment of not having any babies yet. To heal her uterus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Apparently the magical the magical waters of the city called Bath is going to make her have a baby. While they're there, they meet this lovely lady, a woman named Bess Foster. Yes, Bess. Yes, Bess, <laughs> as we call her over on Patreon. Also on Patreon, we discuss that Nathan and Miss Foster are distant relatives. Yes, Bess. So, you know, we're pretty bougie over here on Queen's Podcast. No big deal. So let's talk about G and Bess's friendship. Georgina was like desperate for love and attention and validation. And then she meets this woman from a lower nobility living, you know, kind of in squalor at the time. And they immediately click. Bess is emotionally available and our girl G is fucking needy as hell. Yes. So mm-hmm. this is a match made in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and G reciprocates this like she does with every close relationship mm-hmm. she gets. And they're just like vibing and clicking. And it's like, they're kindred spirits, y'all. Yes. And like we mentioned, this is like the first friend of G's that the Duke isn't like super annoyed with. Like he actually likes having mm-hmm. her around. Bess is kind of like a chameleon, I feel like. I feel like she's just one of those people that gets along with everybody. She's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe doesn't really necessarily have her own personality. She just sort of adapts to her surroundings, which in this scenario, serves her very, very well. Yes. So the Duke is happy that G has made a friend. G is happy that she's made a friend that the Duke doesn't hate. Everyone is gelling and it's going so great. This might be problematic later, but let's focus on the positive right now. Yeah. So real quick, let's talk about Yaspas's plans before meeting the Cavendishes. Yeah. Uh, she was separated from her husband, an Irish lord, my great, great, great uncle thingy, a bobber. Yep. And mm-hmm. he wasn't sending her any money because he was kind of an asshole. So she tried to get a job as a lady's companion, which is kind of like a lady in waiting, but for like a countess or just just a rich lady in general it's like somebody you paid to be like your maid but also your friend yeah but but then they'd end up being like but you're married to a lord right and she'd be like (laughs) and they'd be like why are you looking for a job then you're a lady and then she wouldn't get hired because they'd find out that she has you know a scandal in her background Mm -hmm. so her options were so limited. If her husband wasn't sending her money and she couldn't get a job, it was just a really shitty time to be a woman, which is like- <laughs> It's still kind of a shitty time to be just, a woman. <laughs> when I first put that in the notes, I was like, that is the broadest statement I have ever made. Because you could say that about any time period we've yeah. ever covered. It was a shitty time to be a woman. But yeah, so she just had no way of supporting herself. So a lot of people thought that she was um, faking her affection towards the Duchess just as a way to like get herself like latching on to a wealthy friend. I mean, maybe she was, maybe she was opportunistic, but can you blame her? 
Yeah, you really can't. She didn't have any money. This is a really shitty situation for her. She doesn't have much options. Yeah. So she's got to do what she's got to do. And if, if like two of the richest people in the country are rolling in and decide they want to bring you into like their inner circle, are you supposed to say no? Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, okay, no. Mm. Yeah going with it so it's time to go back to london and the cavendishes have not been without Bess for more than like a minute over the last month so they're like attached at the fucking hip yes and g is like i'm gonna ask the duke if you could move in with us i think this is a fabulous idea you need a place to stay we have a huge ass place yeah (laughs) and honestly i think at this point the duke had also grown dependent and attached to Bess. Mm-hmm. you know just as georgiana had or georgiana oh it's so hard to say her name because it's spelled like georgina it's spelled <laughs> like georgiana but yeah. <laughs> apparently they pronounced it georgiana um or at least the cavendishes did because they had like this really posh way of speaking which yas boss yas <laughs> so that's why I like calling her G because it sounds like a lot of people in her life did just call her G as a nickname and there's no question about how you pronounce that. So anyway, he the Duke is like kind of close with Bess too. And I think he was relieved that G asked for Bess to come live with him because he's like, okay, G's a little needy and I can't give her a lot of that attention. So right. yeah, lady right. companion, perfect. So the three of them head back to London and it does raise a few eyebrows. (laughs) Everyone in society is just like, guys, this moocher is obviously playing y'all. Everyone besides the Cavendishes are like, what are her, like looking at her, like this is shady. What are her ulterior motives? G's mom was super concerned slash maybe kind of jealous because Georgiana had always been really dependent on her mom. And once Bess moves in, her letters to her mom become less frequent and shorter. I think her mom's concern was one part of you have this random woman living in your house and Mm -hmm. the other part of like, but you don't need me anymore. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what it is. They were really codependent on each other. Yes. And so her mom is like, you got to kick this lady out. Mm-hmm. Uh, gee, it, everyone is talking. There is so much gossip. You can't have this. And Georgiana was just like, absolutely not. No, she makes me happy and fuck everybody else. Yeah, she's like my best friend. So yeah, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck the fuck off. So direct quote: don't... Fuck, 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 fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we don't know necessarily if it was the magical waters of bath or just natural ovulation, but. <laughs> Soon after they get back to London, it's discovered that Georgina is pregnant. But this time, instead of going out, Bess is like, hey, why don't we just like stay home and like play cards? Just, you know, you, me and the Duke, instead of partying and drinking uh, or instead of going to the opera, you know, we can just invite a few musicians over. Yeah. Why don't we lay low? Mm -hmm. And that is the kind of, that's all she needed Mm -hmm. in her other pregnancies. If the Duke would have been like, why don't we stay home? And I just pay you attention. She probably wouldn't have been out partying. And had a, and had a miscarriage. Yeah. And so Bess is this really great influence on her at this time. And as a result, 
she gets further into her pregnancies than she has into this pregnancy than she has with any of the other ones, which is very good. Yay! (laughs) So the Duke was excited to see her like, you know, staying in and being healthy. Though, of course, he was still a negative, like a bit of a negative dick about it. Like, can't change the man. He's just an asshole. He's just kind (laughs) of a dick. Like, there was one story about he, like, bumped into some neighbor lady out and about, and she was like, oh, you know, you must be excited about your baby that's going to be here any day now. And he was just sort of like, she's going to have a girl just to spite me. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a dick. Oh, and she did. She did. She did have a girl. I don't think it was out of spite for the Duke. I think that's just um, half of the people in the world are female. So it was. They ended up naming this baby Goral. Goral. They named this baby Goral and they named her Georgina. How? How? Created. Yes. So this is three Georgianas in a row. Um, and, and they called her Baby G because, um, again, there's just no creativity here. Right. So Georgiana wrote in her diary that she thought that the Duke wasn't as upset as he was letting on and that he was kind of happy about the daughter. One thing that's really cool is G insisted on breastfeeding her baby, which wasn't very common for nobility at the time. Um, her Cavendish sister-in-law actually gave her a stern talking to because it was correlation between breastfeeding and not getting pregnant Yeah, whilst breastfeeding. Did you know that? That like no. your fertility drops when you're breastfeeding? Huh. I had no idea. I mean, it's a good thing. It gives the mother's body time to recuperate before getting pregnant again. Yeah. It's just mother nature being like, well, you need a break. The nobility was like, well, no, this was a girl. So you need to get pregnant again. Like, (laughs) could you be pregnant already before you delivered this baby? Like, (laughs) (laughs) And G was just like, I'm going to do me. I'm going to breastfeed this baby and you can fuck the fuck off. Yay. Yay. Direct quote. Again, she was telling (laughs) a lot of people to fuck off. So during this time period, after the birth of her first daughter, is the time that people started to scrutinize letters between G and Bess because, girl, they were intense. They wrote each other some very... Mm -hmm. We have to remember that back then, women, female friendships were, had a more like romantic feel to them. Mm -hmm. And by that, I don't necessarily mean like sexual relationship romantic feel they just very much romanticize their friendships and you know what i mean do you agree yeah and even even hetero relationships letters to each other were always very passionate even very though they flowery were, yeah, yeah they weren't really in love but they were just the language that they used was very intense is a good word for it yes and it's this time period kind of like after the birth of her first kid and before all the real scandal spoiler alert really kicks off that people look at their letters and they're like, okay, but (laughs) these are particularly lovey, over-the-top, romantic. They were apart only a couple of days and they're writing each other obsessively. Like, yeah, that's a little weird. Like, I would get it if they're apart for like six months, seven months and you're writing like, my heart 
yearns for you. Get that. But it's only yeah. been a couple of days, bitch. <laughs> they could not. They were very, very codependent on each other. And I, I put down a passage from one of the more particularly um, flowery letters. Nathan, would you care to do a dramatic reading of this? Oh, I'm so honored that you asked. <laughs> me? Who me? Yes. <clears throat> My dear Bess, do you hear the voice of my heart crying to you? Do you feel what it is for me to be separated from you? Oh, Bess, every sensation I feel but heightens my adoration of you. Every sensation I feel heightens my adoration for you. That is a little... That sounds like they might have been flicking each other's bean. That is a way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like that's very, very romantic. But again, we have to remember that every friendship, every relationship that G got into was very intense. But every sensation heightens my adoration for you is all pre- also pretty sexy. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of insinuates some things there. Um. In uh, Chatsworth House's archives, they have a, where like most of her letters and diaries and manuscripts live. There is a letter between. Bess and Georgina that has a passage blacked out, like redacted. So that's another reason that some people are like, oh, maybe it was just too steamy and the family didn't want that going down in history. But also we're going to get to some pretty controversial things that went on in this family. So I don't know that we can necessarily say that that's proof of a lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss our thoughts on if they had a lesbian relationship and then move on. Cause we're never going to know for sure. Yeah. My thought is I don't think it was a sexual relationship knowing how things go in the future for G and the Duke and her. There was obviously just some very, very, very closeness, but I don't think the two of them were having independent sexy times i think it was just a very overbearing friendship what do you think i'm going to take the opposite opinion and say that they were having a lesbian relationship i think you know the proof of the letter that letter is a little steamy Mm -hmm. we have the redacted parts um spoiler alert georgina ends up dying and uh yas boss ends up dying just because people are mortal, yes. Yes. And on Bess's deathbed, she basically professed how much she loved Georgina and had a locket of her hair. So I think the relationship went a little deeper. I'm okay. sure they fooled around a couple times, but I think, you know, I think there was some love there. I think there was some lesbian love there. Okay. Either way, we know that they were close. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, they were very dependent on each other. Even if it was or was not a sexual relationship, they loved each other. Yeah, but tell us what you think, listeners. Like, what's what's your ideas? So now we've proven that she can bear children, healthy children. And so let's talk about her political career for a second. Ooh, I love it. So... Her friend Fox is up for re-election and she dives into helping his cause. Um, She opens up the Devonshire house to host these parties for the Whig party and they became a big fucking to-do. Everyone who was anyone was, who was originally not supporting the Whigs, if they didn't support them, they still came because it was like high society, super cool party. Yeah, so she like started, it was one of the first like bipartisan 
society events and it was yeah we need her we need her here today oh my god um (laughs) so she becomes really close with the prince of wales his dad is a conservative and he hates fucking daddy-o so he's gonna go full-blown wig Mm -hmm. fun side note so do you remember last episode we talked about her friend lady jersey that slept with the duke yes and we were like what a bitch so Lady Jersey was the mistress of the Prince of Wales and was the mistress of the Prince of Wales for a very, very long time. And, uh, but at this point, there were rumors that G and the Prince of Wales were hooking up. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was against like polite society for G to like even acknowledge these rumors. But I wonder if she had a little bit of fun with that and rubbed it in Lady Jersey's face. Oh, I bet she did. I bet so. <laughs> Though her husband really hated these rumors. Probably <laughs> I unsurprising. <wondered> why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their their relationship definitely suffered because of her part in politics. Mm-hmm. Um the Duke and Duchess weren't really supposed to get involved in politics, and uh the Duke adhered to that. And G was just sort of like, I'm just going to do my thing. Sorry. I believe in this cause. And also the Duke was bad at speaking to people. So he wasn't crazy about all these people showing up at his house, wanting to talk. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it put a strain on their relationship for sure. So Georgina took to the streets to campaign and she wasn't the only lady of rank that did this, but she was by far the most famous. Mm -hmm. So the newspapers of the day were having a field day with this and they were calling her unladylike and one paper even called her masculine in her political pursuits because that was like the worst comment you can make about a lady back then. Y'all can't (laughs) see me, but I'm rolling my eyes so hard. I feel like we covered someone else who also got called masculine. I mean, yeah, throughout history, that's Mm -hmm. been, I think that was in, in our Agrippina episodes. Yes. They called her masculine because she tried to, you know, sway politics. And it's just like, we can't think of a worse thing to call her. So say she's like a man. And it's just like, oh my God. Blah. Yeah, but to be honest, she put herself in some probably not good situations. Oh yeah, like, she wasn't she wasn't the best at critical thought sometimes. No, like one time unaccompanied, she went into a bar full of drunk ass men at night and was like, Hey, I was just wondering if I could like talk to y'all about voting for the wig party. And there are these like drunk like coal miners or something, you know, yeah. like these rougher dudes that are just like not necessarily it it was a dumb situation for her to put herself in they got a little bit handsy and they wouldn't let her leave the bar until she gave each one of them a kiss on the cheek just slightly rapey it is it's yeah it's not good um word got out about this situation they the newspapers ran a story that the duchess of devonshire was trading kisses for votes um oh so i guess th- that's kind of like a sex scandal of the time. yeah so you can imagine that all sorts of gossip just starts running amok on this and the duke is 
probably not happy with it. Okay, Mm-mm. he's not happy with it. No, <laughs> he was pretty pissed off about stories of his wife in the newspaper about trading kisses for votes. Yeah, it was a pretty fucking huge scandal. I yeah. Mean, her mother begged her to drop out of politics, but she refused to unless until the election was done. She was like, I have to see this through. Fun side note, again on the Patreon, we kind of did like a review of the movie and do you remember that one outfit that I was like, she just looks so gorgeous when she's campaigning mm-hmm. in? And I was like, but why does she have foxtails all over? Mm-hmm. Because the candidate was fox. So all the ladies would wear foxtails. Oh, wow. That makes sense. It makes sense I mean, now. <laughs> so stupid. Like, and now I'm like, why didn't I pick up on that? I know. I know me either, uh, but it makes sense. <laughs> so on the day of the election, she campaigned. She spoke to anyone who would speak to her she told women like okay obviously we can't vote but you need to go tell your husband to vote for fox foxy roxy his name was roxy yes yes um and which right now that seems really like in our society where women have the right to vote and have all of our lifetime it seems like that's so dumb but back then it was like telling women to think about politics what what kind of sorcery like what are you talking about yeah exactly (laughs) by the end of the day her feet were bleeding because remember like the roads in london were like these cobblestone and she didn't have great arch support in her shoes so like her feet are bleeding and she's lost her voice but just doing everything for the cause right but Fox did end up keeping his seat in the Whig party and their support did rise like never before. So at the end of the day, it was a very good thing. However, after that, she was like, okay, I think I'm done with politics. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, all right, I'm out. And we really just like skimmed this surface on how much hate she got in the public eye during this whole political move that she did mm-hmm. um, and how it, really damaged their marriage that was already real damaged (laughs) so i can't really blame her for deciding to retire from politics yeah so that was spring 1784 so in the summer of 1784 g finds out she's pregnant again so yay so i guess the duke is still having sex with her even though he's so annoyed with her but yeah it's like that really like oh yeah Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I don't imagine they were having good sex, but they were still yeah. having sex. <laughs> so this also had something to do with her dropping out of politics since, you know, last time laying low really did her good. Yeah. Let's take a detour real quick and talk about the debt of the Duchess of Devonshire. Because let's just assume from now on to the rest of her life, she is drowning in debt. She is up to her eyeballs in debt like it's really bad we talked Mm. about it a little in the last episode that she just loved to gamble it just gets away from her yeah like real bad she literally cannot keep track of who all she owes money to and how much and i read this one anecdote of like she went to a party and she didn't have any money so she went and borrowed like little bits of money from like all her different friends after she lost it all, just like ducked out without saying goodbye to anyone. And all her oh, friends, wow. like she was just, she had a problem. Yeah. Her mother even writes that if she could go back in time and re-raise G, 
that she teach her from a young age that gambling and drinking and the misuses of money is bad. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's real her, bad. Give her a heads up to not get too involved in it. The the Duke knows she's in some debt. He doesn't know how much. And he's really pissed off about what he does know about. So that doesn't really inspire her to like tell him the truth. If he's it's like, yeah. oh, you know about a fraction of it and you're that pissed off. I'm gonna I want to keep the rest of this to myself. Yeah, right. But she does confide in Bess. Like, girl, I owe all these people money in town. Holy fuck. Mm -hmm. And I can't talk to the Duke about it because he's going to get like fucking mad at me. And I'm so happy to have you as my BFF. I can talk to you about this. Yes, boss. Yes, boss. (laughs) And at one point, Bess does convince the Duke Just give her some money to pay off some of her debts. It's stressing her out so bad. It's not going to be good for her pregnancies or whatever. So so the Duke writes her a check and is like, you need to take this to whoever you owe money to and pay it off. But it was nice, but it was a misguided gesture. (laughs) That's like giving a crackhead $20. I know. And not expecting them to go spend it on crack. She turns around and she's like, oh, well. I can go gamble with this and double yeah. it and pay off even more of my debt. But no, she loses it all. Yeah, she's uh, she's got an addiction problem. She's got a problem. <laughs> yeah. So the Devonshires and Bess have been living in this setup for like, what, over two, over a year now? Um, yeah. And of course, gossip is going about this weird menage a trois thruple thing that the Devonshires are doing. So one paper in France, of course, of course, because, you know, they did write the rumor that, you know, those the two ladies, Bess and and Georgina were lesbian lovers. Mm -hmm. And Georgina said, who has any right to know how tenderly we love each other? I think she wanted people to think they were lovers, even if they weren't. I think they're lovers. Okay. (laughs) I think that she wanted people talking about their relationship, honestly. However, there was about to be a rift in the relationship. Mm-hmm. A doctor hired by the Duke comes and diagnoses Bess and just being like, you're too pale, you're too thin. This English weather of like rainy, dreary weather is doing bad for your health. You need to go over to the continent. You need to go to like France and Italy where it's warmer and get some sun and it'll be good for your health for like, I don't know, maybe go over there for like nine to 10 months. Mm. (laughs) How convenient. We know what happens in nine to 10 months. Mm. So let's not fucking sugarcoat this shit. Yas boss is pregnant with the Duke's baby. Obviously. And it's really unclear as to when this affair began. And we don't think that she knew about this. (laughs) I think she had her suspicions because during this time she would write Bess letters and refer to the Duke as your dear brother. So I <laughs> she's think like, she, she's forcing this like platonic relationship on him. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> yes. But so on August 29th, 1785, Georgiana has just passed her 28th birthday and she gives birth to a very healthy little girl. Uh, I'm sure she's just like, fuck, I have to fuck this asshole some more now. I know. What's annoying, though, is the newspapers report that it's a boy. 
and they have to like send a retraction i know they name her harriet which is georgina's sister's name and they call her harrio choices yeah harrio harrio that's a (laughs) that's not a cute nickname in my book no she harrio (laughs) (laughs) she forgot to shave but bet on august 16th 1785 so not even two weeks prior Bess gives birth to a little girl in an inn near Naples Italy this is so fucked up these babies were like conceived obviously within like weeks of each other it's not so, days yeah. like oh so she names her baby Caroline and she has to leave her with some family there in Italy sweet Caroline oh sweet Caroline oh okay I need a minute to process this drama and I'm gonna go top off my drink so let's take a quick break and meet back here in a minute knock that fire down 19 copy captain let's move ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. We're back. Yay! Got, got my drink topped off and ready she, she's got her drink and her two-step her my drink, drink and, and my two-step yep uh <laughs> so back to bess she returns to england in early 1786 this is most likely the time when bess fesses up and is like gee i have i have to get something off my chest because she's really depressed she has her two sons with her husband that she hasn't seen yeah in years and then she just had to like leave sweet caroline back in france i mean they left her with like a foster family that they're paying but still you had to give your kid up yeah and so she's (laughs) she's depressed and she wants to confide in her best friend but sadly the conversation is hey best friend i've been fucking your husband (laughs) oh that's no laughing matter because i'm sure g was not happy about that but at the same time the duke and duchess they had a huge falling out. Yeah. Like apparently the Duke even spoke to a lawyer about how it would to get a legal separation from G. That's how serious yeah. it got. And Georgina didn't want that because though they were in a bad relationship, remember 
a wife's rights and a divorce were a fucking joke back yeah. then. She, it, the custody of their children would immediately go to the Duke, no questions asked. And she would still owe all her debt and the Duke wouldn't be responsible for it anymore. So she's yeah. not, she's not in a place to support herself and be without her children. Exactly. And we really don't know what the blow up was about, but he had had a baby with her best friend and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. spent like almost all the family money because she's got a gambling addiction. So we can make assumptions. Yes. <laughs> Best talk to the Duke and is like, please don't kick Georgina out. Think of your children. Think of the scandal it's going to cause. So the three of them fall into this thruple relationship and each person in this relationship like standing in society and just like happiness relies so heavily on the other two people in the thruple g needs best to keep the duke's mood up and not kick her out also best gets gives her the attention that she needs yes <laughs> it gives her that validation that she needs uh-huh. best needs the duke's protection and financial support and if he kicked g to the curb she would be viewed in society as just like a persona non grata like who the fuck are you splitting up this like famous couple you fucking homewrecker yes and the duke of devonshire needed best to make him happy because he ended up growing very needy on her Mm -hmm. and needed his wife to not like cause any more scandals to keep their family holding up a reputation you know you might need that (laughs) and so they just fall into this weird thruple but it worked for them fairly well yeah, it's yeah. very it's a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> Good. Whatever makes you happy, whatever yeah. floats your boat. I don't think that's something I could ever see myself entering into, but no, I'm too jealous. Makes... Oh, I'm too jealous. God. But but if you're if, if that's what you want, that's what you want. And it worked for them perfectly. Yeah. Un- until 1788, and then Bess is pregnant again. And, <laughs> and she, she gets sent to France again. again. <laughs> and she gives birth to a little boy. Which... That must have stung for yeah. G. You know, like, oh. Yeah. So fast forward to about three months after Bess has her baby abroad. Um, the Duke and the Duchess, they decide that they're going to go pick her up and bring her back home. Like three-way thruple outing in France. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, late Late 1788 in France. Maybe y'all should maybe <laughs> Google what was going on in the late 1780s in France, early 1790s. We're going to have to skim over some of that. Uh, yeah. Here are the cliff notes. She sees her dear friend Marie Antoinette for the last time. Marie Antoinette seems a little nervous about all the protesting and all the rioting Dang. going on. And everyone just seems to be like, this is going to blow over. It's fine. You have nothing yeah. to worry about. And then she finds out she's pregnant. So the Duke is like, well, you're having the baby here because I don't want you to travel pregnant given your history of miscarriages. Right? Which mm-hmm. in any other situation, I'm like, well, that makes sense. But during the French Revolution, you being a Duke and Duchess, maybe that's not the safest place to be. 
Yeah, so fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, um, the French Revolution happens. <laughs> yep. And they're like hiding out in the countryside, probably super trying to downplay their, their fucking carriages and footmen and shit. They're like, <laughs> oh, we don't have, we don't have anything. No, we're, we're not nobility. We're just, I heard like they went to like what would be considered modern day Brussels for a little bit to like lay low. But because she was kind of considered like a high risk pregnancy, they then had to like go back to the outskirts of Paris to make sure that they had like good doctors readily available. Uh, yeah, and all this stress of like revolutions uh, probably isn't good for sh- for a pregnancy with all that stress and anxiety. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, like nobility are literally getting pulled from their houses and murdered just a couple miles away. It had to be super stressful but a miracle happens she's got a baby boy she doesn't have to fuck this dickhead anymore oh my god the from her journals like the scene that she painted i'm just like what crazy world is this her mother came and met with them too so it's like her her mother bess and the duke are all in the room when the baby is born and everybody's just like hugging each other and crying and celebrating and popping champagne. And it's like your best friend slash your husband's mistress. And then like the, the revolution going on in the background. I'm just like, how, how did this get left out of the movie? I know, right? This is so much shit. Right? Yeah. So the baby's born and the Duke is like, all right, as soon as you're ready to travel, we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but G's getting really sick. And remember, women still died from childbirth fever all the fucking time mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. So their departure is delayed for two weeks and she almost fucking dies at this point. And the Duke is actually really worried for her, for which I was like, what, really? He has he's emotions? Showing, he's showing feelings? Wow. So I wonder if he's worried for her or he's worried for all of them because they just learned what a guillotine is. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, while they're waiting to return, Bess convinces the Duke to bring her back both of her bastards with them when they go back to England. Yeah, sweet Caroline. And he, she had a little baby boy that she named Augustus, which is Mm -hmm. weird because one of her boys with her husband is also named Augustus. That is weird. Find some new names. Um, the Duke agrees due to the unstable circumstances in France. It's like, yeah, maybe we should leave and, and get them out too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might be a good idea. So mid-1790 and the whole extended family's back in England. Husband, wife, three children, best friend slash, mi- slash mistress, her two illegitimate children, and then the Duke's other illegitimate child from his previous relationship. It's a very blended family. Very blended family. (laughs) That is a great way to put it. (laughs) Okay. So she's got the boy. Yay! And they name him William. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) But his title was the Marquess of Hartington. And so they call him Hart. And I think that's really cute. I really like that. really cute. Yeah. So what does this mean for our Duchess? Um, She gets a little bit of freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not getting sent off to those magical bath waters to (laughs) cure my uterus. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Um, She almost 
definitely never had to sleep with the Duke again, which I'm sure she was like, yay, I don't have to get that dick's dick. Yes, exactly. That boring ass sex. Don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) So yay for not having to sleep with people you don't want to sleep with. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And now it would be, it it really wouldn't be totally out of the question if she were to pick up a mister. (laughs) A lover. A lover. A luscious lover. (laughs) Well, it was still very much a patriarchal society where a dude could fuck whoever he wanted to fuck. Mm -hmm. It wasn't unheard of for women to take a lover after they had had a son, a healthy son. So, but you had to be discreet about it. You know, yeah. you you weren't really flaunting it around. So enter Charles Gray. Very discreetly. Very discreetly. <laughs> and he creeps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Charles Gray had had met her a couple of years before when he was still into politics. He was like this up and coming junior member of the Whig party. Uh, He was like this moody and brooding, you know, very emo kind of guy. Yeah, I imagine him with like one of those swoopy haircuts, Mm -hmm. probably wearing some eyeliner. Yeah, he was very, he was just an emo dude. He was very- listened um, to The Cure- Yes, he definitely <laughs> would have listened to The Cure. Absolutely. <laughs> so he was seven years younger than Georgina, who is now mm. 33. So get a cougar. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Charles Gray has been sending her like these love letters on the DL for like five fucking years. Obsessed much? And he's like this little smitten boy who probably never thought that she would give him the time of day. But she gave him the time of day. Right? <laughs> so she's got her freedom and she needs someone to love her. When, like she always does. <laughs> like she always does. When their physical affair started, we don't really know. It had to have been quick because the next yeah. the next part of this story all happens in really quick succession. The book I read suggested that she was admitting it to her mother. Like there was this letter that she wrote her mom. When you first read it at face value, you're like, what the fuck is she talking about? And then you're like, if you think maybe she's trying to like admit to her mother that she's having an affair, like in between the lines, you're like, oh, maybe that does kind of make sense. And that would have been in September, 1790. But I personally think that she was like on the boat back home from France being like, who am I going to start my affair with? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she was ready. <laughs> she yes. was hot and heavy, ready. She was ready to have some sex with somebody she wanted to have some sex with. <laughs> she had never done that before. She was discreet about it enough to begin with, but then some trouble started at home with the Cavendish family. Mm-hmm. Um, word got out within the Duke's family about just how much of their fortune Georgina had actually spent gambling. Mm-hmm. And the Duke's sister's like, bitch, you need to get divorced from her as soon as this son is off her titty Mm -hmm. we need to get her gone yeah the duke's sister sounds like such a bitch too oh yeah mind your fucking mind your own fucking business you know didn't she wasn't she the one like right after they got married she's like why aren't you pregnant yeah yeah (laughs) it's like whoa (laughs) i think she was the duchess of portland and it's sort of like mind your worry about your own go back to oregon yes go back to portland please (laughs) (laughs) but the cool thing is 
the Duke is like, I'm not going to divorce her. She just had my son. We're going to figure this out, which is pretty fucking cool of Duke Willie. Right. I mean, he just didn't like want to be stuck raising his kids on his own though yeah there, he could have <laughs> he could have had some affection for her but yeah he also could have been like oh it's gonna be so much more work to divorce her than to not divorce her so yeah so duke willie was like i think it would be better if you were like out of sight out of mind for a little while and she was like actually my sister has gone to bath for her health her sister was having like some weird, like we still don't even know. Her sister was also just as extra as G is. So she may have been kind of faking it for attention, but she was like having these random seizures and random bouts of not being able to walk. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, so her sister was going to Bath and she was like, why don't I go visit my sister in Bath? And the Duke was like, that is perfect. And it was perfect. It was like the perfect place for her to continue her affair with Chucky Gray. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that carried on for another two months. It was a really short-lived affair. And it's really annoying that this is like the only person she's ever met in her life that we don't have like a hundred surviving letters from. I know, I (laughs) know. So it was a secret, but it obviously wasn't that big of a secret because somehow word gets back to G's mom. Yeah, so Mama G comes to Bath and is just basically like, are you fucking stupid? (laughs) What the hell? Like the Cavendish family already wants you gone. William is standing up for you, but this could completely change his mind. What are you thinking? And as if Georgina had never thought about that before, she was like, fuck, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) She was obviously just living like in this little love bubble. Yeah. You know, like when you're first in that new relationship and nothing can go wrong and you never Mm -hmm. fight and everything's wonderful. I think she was just kind of stuck in that mind frame that she didn't really realize, oh, fuck. This could have some serious implications on my life. So she breaks up with Gray and she's like, I do love you, but what the fuck are we thinking? Right. This scandal could ruin your fucking political career. And even if the Duke divorced her, he's not going to marry her. So first of all, he doesn't have enough. He can't afford her. (laughs) If he saw how much debt she was in, he's not going to marry her. And he does later go on to become prime minister for like four years. He never would have gotten that far. Like that would have been a scandal that would have tanked his political career. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if the Duke finds out, she's never going to see her kids again. So we got to break it off. But apparently he was a dick about it. Like he did not. She was like, here are the logical reasons why we need to break up. And he was just like, oh, like you don't love me. And she's like, well, that's not it. I do love you, but here are yeah. the, here's the logic. She even wrote to a friend about it all later. And she said that he was quote unquote, very cruel to her. Um, she said, quote, in leaving him, I have left my heart and soul, but he at least has the consolation to know that I have given him up only out of the love of my children. Oh, I know. That is so sad. He doesn't seem to understand. (laughs) (laughs) He does not seem to be a consultation. So emo. He is so emo. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was a super short affair, but I guess they, I mean, at least she was really in love though. I mean, does she even know what a grown up adult love relationship is supposed to be like? Like, I, I don't, there's a lot of psychology we could unpack there that we don't have time. A lot of speculation we could make. 
But she's pregnant. Um, fuck. Um, her plan is that she's just going to like tell the Duke that her sister's being moved to France to for her illness. And she's just going to go and have the baby in secret. What is up with everyone going to France for their <laughs> bastard pregnancies? What is yeah, this all like, about? <laughs> once during the revolution, like what the Ooh. fuck? <laughs> so someone sends the Duke an anonymous letter being like, hey, I think you need to go see your wife with your own eyes. This this is such juicy shit that actually happened. Why is this not a miniseries or in it the really movie? <laughs> just He's like, well, that's an intriguing <laughs> letter that I just got. Yeah, let me go see my wife with my own eyes. So he shows up in Bath without telling them and she's five months pregnant. There's no hiding it. Mm-mm, no unsurprisingly he loses his shit yeah they have a huge shouting match and her sister writes like i was actually afraid like i think that she was afraid for her fucking life yeah (laughs) i think she thought that the duke was gonna like beat the shit out of g or something which he didn't like we have no evidence that he ever raised a hand to her ever so yay (laughs) bare minimum cool but (laughs) once he does cool down he comes back and he's like, okay, this is how it's going to be. You're going to go to Europe and have that baby. You're giving it up for adoption immediately. And then you stay in Europe until I say you can come back. She wrote a letter to her mom saying, I didn't hesitate for a minute. Like, I knew this was my only option. Yeah. And then Bess was like, I can't let her go alone. I love Bess. Yes, Bess. Yes, Bess. And I haven't always been the friend that she deserves. So I'm going to make this shit right. So she goes with her yeah. and, the, and the Duke is like, whatever, both of you get out of my fucking sight. I'm so done with you. Drama queen. Yes. Um, he actually seems to have lost a big chunk of his affection for us when she decided to do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to skim over the details, but she has a baby over in like the country in France named, El- and she names her Eliza. And as soon as the baby is weaned, they adopted out to Charles Gray's family. And so Eliza grows up most of her life thinking Charles is her half-brother and (laughs) that Georgina is her godmother. Just kind of like a wealthy benefactor that just shows up for visits from time to time, (laughs) writes her a lot of letters, sends her a lot of gifts. You know, normal things. (laughs) So um, Eliza is said to be the most beautiful of Georgina's da- Georgina's daughters. Oh, yeah, that's kind of sad that she had to give it up. I know. And one good silver lining, though, I went down a little bit of rabbit hole about Eliza. Eliza married for love and had a happy marriage. So, Yay! Good for her. <laughs> yeah. So about three months after the baby is born, she's gone. Um, this is probably the hardest thing that G has ever had to do, uh, but. She's done it and she writes to the Duke being like, it's gone, the baby's gone. I've broken off all ties with Gray. I've done exactly what you've asked me to do. Can I come home now, please? And and Bess actually sends a similar letter being like, yeah, I'm kind of ready to come home too. I'm taking care of your wife. Uh, so let's just pretend that none of this happened, okay? Mm-hmm. And then this asshole writes back just very short and brisk like, no, G, can't come home. Bess, I have no control over what you do. You can come back to England, but you can't come here. Yep. Can't sit here. <laughs> Seat's taken. Um, 
very long and dramatic story short, he didn't allow G to come home for two years. Good Lord. (laughs) She has no money. Like he is sending them just enough money to like pay for their lodging. But like he keeps sending less and less. So they keep having to like move to like lesser and lesser nice housing. They are relying a lot on like, if they go somewhere and there's like some other noble family staying in the countryside that wants to let them stay with them for a couple of nights or wants couch, to like couch surfing. Yes. Or wants to have them over for dinner. Georgina pawns all her jewelry, but she brings uh. all her jewelry with her. Cause she knows that that's probably going to happen. Also her, her like creditors and stuff in England are writing her being like, you need to start paying us back. And she's like, with, what like how, <laughs> how do you expect me to with do that? my ostrich feather hat <laughs> really I've, I've pawned it for food already <laughs> <laughs> so back home in england the duke never really makes a public statement about this separation so everyone kind of just assumes that he was the one that fucked up and both his wife and mistress left him So his popularity tanks in the country. His popularity was never great to begin with on the, on the account of his everything about him, but (laughs) it is just like, people do not want to even like talk to him. Yeah. It's bad. Like he tried to host parties and people would comment on the Devonshire house was dirty and dull. Um, and he doesn't really know how to fucking talk to people either. Like, yeah, I'm just trying to imagine him hosting parties and people just coming over and just everybody just staring at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally see it being like, uh, so. He's like, I'm how sorry. About I'm used- the weather. Yeah. How about them cowboys? I don't know. Like, what are we- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love this one quote so much. This like one random Whig politician, um, he's quoted in a gossip column saying, if the Duchess had been married to any man who had shown her proper attention and valued her merits, she would have been the most perfect woman in England. I know that that just shows like how people viewed their relationship. They viewed her as like this amazing woman with so many talents and him as just this stick in the mud yeah because he kind of was a stick in the mud and with Bess and G away ye old stick in the mud had to take care of the children um and he's not really good at paying attention to he doesn't really have a good emotional like barometer (laughs) like he doesn't know he doesn't know how to take care of children so he hires a shitload of nannies the nannies that he hired were very much under you know that belief um spare the rod spoil the child so these kids for the two years that she's gone and they're young kids so these are their very formative years they're not getting any affection yeah and it's really sad because like G is the most warm and affectionate person ever. She could have been giving them this great like foundation to be Mm -hmm. like these really well-adjusted, you know, emotionally functional people. But instead, like they're with these nannies that if they step out of line or anything, little discretion, they're getting like spanked and stuff. So it's not- 
I know. Side note, depressing side note, when G was still living in an exile in this lonely and sad life, Marie Antoinette was executed. And she wrote to her mother, she said, the impression of the queen's death is constantly before my eyes. Ah, I mean, can you blame her? She's royalty. She could be, that could be her fucking head. Yeah. Then, then out of fucking nowhere in May of 1794, she gets a letter from the Duke that is just like, okay, come home now. You come home home too. Everything's goodsies. Takes these backsies. And they're just both like, whoop, Let's go. Uh, let's <laughs> go. Run before he changes his mind. Yes, exactly. <laughs> On their way home, G makes this vow to be the most perfect wife. Like, I'm going to be the ideal wife and mother. I'm never going to cause a bit of drama or gossip. No more partying. No more scandals. Wife and mother foremost. I'm going to be perfect. And yeah. after they arrived home, I mean except for a few gambling things, she pretty much stuck to that. Yeah. And all of the joie de vivre had been like sucked right out of her. I know. (laughs) If she attended her party, it was her husband and Bess, and she stayed by his side. Mm -hmm. Um, If he was sick, she would stay up all night by his bedside, which sounds super boring to us, but... The upside is, is that she's being a super attentive mother. She's got to be a huge part of her kid's upbringing now, which really wasn't typical for the time. Mm -hmm. And her kids enjoyed such a good childhood, which is different than a lot of the noble kids at the time. Yeah, she was like, she got in and she was like, all right, these nannies got to fucking go. Hmm? I'm going to be in charge of my kid's education there. And it's really quite sad. Like her son didn't know who the fuck she was. Cause you know, he's yeah. like, he's like three, if even maybe like two and a half at this point, her daughters were both like really insecure. And like one of them had a stutter and like, she was just like, nope, nope. We got, we got some damage control to do here. Yeah. And she ended up planning their schooling. She had dinner with them every night. Mm-hmm. So all of her children with the Duke go to enjoy the kind of upbringing that she got with minus the whole loving the Duke. Yeah. Yeah, but she at least pretended she did for there. Yes. And I do think, because the Duke, after she came back, I think he realized like all of the life had been sucked out of her from this experience of being like, having to give up a child and being away from everyone she knows living in squalor for two years. Mm -hmm. I think he felt bad about putting her through that. And he did become much softer with her. And they put on this production of being a couple in love for mm-hmm. the rest of her life, which, so her kids didn't know that they maybe didn't like each other that much, you know? Yeah. Yes, for the rest of her life, she was like this doting wife and mother, but don't get it wrong. She still had some pretty cool life achievements. She just kind of hanged back in the background. Yes, basically. she just wasn't the face of them anymore. Yeah. She remained political and supported the Whigs, but again- From like behind the scenes. She's no longer the actor. She's like the stage manager. Yeah, she's on the sidelines. Yes. So instead of like being out and in public and supporting them, it was more like she's just writing a bunch of letters or hosting very small luncheons. Um, The Duke would have people over for stately reasons. You know, (laughs) that whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) And he'd always go to bed right after dinner, which is kind of fucking rude. Yeah, which all his guests would be like, well, that... Did he just 
did he just Irish goodbye us and go to bed? (laughs) (laughs) And so then G would show up and be like, well, gentlemen, you know, the Duke wanted to get some rest, but why don't you guys come to my quarters and I'll host you guys for the rest of the night. We'll have a couple more drinks, play some cards, and I'll tell you about the wig party. (laughs) (laughs) The coolest thing she did, in my opinion, So while they were in exile in like France and Italy, she started collecting rocks. Like if she saw cool rocks, she would collect them because she couldn't (laughs) afford to do anything else, I guess. (laughs) And when she gets back to England, she starts talking to people at like the local universities about geology. And she's like, well, I got these rocks. And she gets really into like crystals and stuff and geology And then from there, she learns about chemistry and she starts going to lectures and chemistry demonstrations. And she starts like supporting local chemists and gets kind of in like really big part of the science community at the time, which isn't, it's so cool. It is. I mean, she and her cousin through marriage founded this medical research facility in 1799 and this facility actually was the facility that discovered laughing gas. So next time you go to the dentist and get laughing gas, you can thank the Duchess of Devonshire. Oh God, laughing gas makes me go crazy. Like I feel nuts. Oh, I hate it. So her relationship with Bess and the Duke is kind of on the mended back to normal. Um, apparently after G held up her end of the bargain and became this domesticated goddess and perfect wife, he offered to kick Bess out. And Georgina was like, no, Mm -mm. I couldn't survive without her. I literally could not function if she's not. Well, if she hadn't been dependent on Bess before their two years in exile together, she certainly was dependent on her now. She Mm -hmm. was like, I can't. Yeah. I don't know how to do anything without her. So. Yeah. And we don't know if the Duke and Bess picked back up their sexual relationship during Georgina's lifetime. Eh, Don't really know. Uh, But both the Duke and G relied on Bess emotionally for like the rest of their lives. Absolutely. In 1796, G was 39 and she starts having some serious health problems. She starts getting these migraines I could not get a straight answer about what exactly was wrong with her, but they had to do this surgery and it fucked up her right eye. And she had this big scar across her right eye and she's devastated. She's so embarrassed about how she looks. She's, she's like, I'm ugly. And she won't go out into society for like a really, really long time until a few years down the line when her oldest daughter is getting married. That just makes me so sad because if that would have happened to her earlier in her life, she just would have made eye patches like the fashion. Yeah, she, she would have put some feathers. Yeah. Bedazzled eye, eye patches with some ostrich feathers on. Exactly. Ah. So I hate that her confidence was so low at this point that mm. it made her, because she could have gotten so much attention and sympathy and love from everybody yeah. going out <laughs> with her eye patch. So what happens to an addict when they get depressed? They turn back to their addiction. And for her, it's gambling. Stop. Uh, Sweet baby G, stop. uh, And also drinking. Mm -hmm. So one day she gets really fucking sick and everyone just thinks, oh, she's just just really hungover. You've just been drinking too much. We're going to send you to bath and we'll just change your diet. Everything will be fine. Her mother shows up to visit and she's like, 
guys, she's yellow. How has nobody noticed that she's yellow? What is, <laughs> why is she yellow? Yeah, and yellowing of the skin is a symptom of your liver failing. So yes. that's not good. <laughs> Sadly, that is exactly what was happening. They call the doctors. There's really, there's nothing they can do. So sadly, Georgina Cavendish, the Duchess of Devonshire, died in her bed on March 30th, 1806. She was 49. In the room when she died, she had her mother, her husband, her best friend, Bess, her sister, her eldest daughter, who was eight months pregnant with her grandchild-to-be. So, I mean, if you're going to go at such a young age, at least it's, it's a consolation that she had so many people that loved her so much there yeah. with her. So. And a fun, not really, I guess fun fact. I mean, <laughs> upon her death, the Duke actually mourned so hard that one newspaper broke that they thought he might die of a broken heart. They're like, just like, he's going to go soon too. Like he's Where did these feelings come from? That like, is, the, everybody <laughs> in London was like, oh, the Duke has emotions. Okay. Like, he openly mourned her in public. That yeah. is, totes not his brand. No, very off-brand, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the entire family did. Besides the one that she had with Gray, all of her children really enjoyed, like, this really close relationship with their mother. And like we said, that wasn't standard back then. Mm-hmm. So I think if anything was going to be her legacy. I think that's what she'd want to be known as is a great mother who sacrificed for her children. And I think they believe, you know, they knew that. And later on her, her daughter with gray does find out like years after Georgina's death, she's like, Oh, that was my mother. That makes sense. That's why she was always coming around. That's why she gives me a lot of shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So her legacy, the funny thing is she's most famous for this like three month affair and the strange living situation with her best friend and husband. But I think she should be most famous for being a feminist who tried to get women involved in politics and science, you know? And also a fashion icon, a political powerhouse, trendsetter. God, we need to... Raise our glasses. To Let's raise a Georgina. glass. Fucking baby, she, sweet baby G. Cheers to, to sweet, Cheers to Georgina. Oh, well, that was emotional. I know. I hope you, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. it. It was really fun to research this one. She was really fun. And we will catch you next time. Cheers, bitches. So thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just like hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on iTunes at Queens Podcast. All one word. All smushed up. Queens Podcast. Um, Follow us on Facebook. Our intro music is by K-Sparks featuring Beyond Belief. Thanks for letting us use your song, guys. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Bye, girl. Clink, <laughs> Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? 
On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.